Welcome to the CNS Podcast featuring Dr. Daryl Anaba, Research Director for CNS Productions. Hi, and welcome once again to the CNS Addiction Podcast. I'm Howard Lemire, here with Dr. Daryl Anaba, and um, a bunch of stuff in the news today, Daryl. Um, we got a table full of interesting topics, but one of the things that caught my eye here is uh, um, a note on Keith Richards' uh, biography, autobiography. Keith Richards, of course, the uh, guitar player for the Rolling Stones, and a new uh, a new book out, a memoir, um, talking about his addiction, uh, which of course has been well known and well documented through the years. Um, certainly, um, is is seen in popular culture as um, a, a significant part of the Rolling Stones' uh, persona. Um, of course, Keith has been addicted to uh, heroin and cocaine, uh, along with other things. But uh, what caught my eye here is is the discussion in this book about um, the importance of his music uh, to his life and how that helped him uh, stop the cocaine and the heroin. And the, the, the statement that's made here is uh, recovery without abstinence. And that obviously is going to uh, toss a lot of red flags up uh, for a lot of people. And that's why I thought it would be interesting to talk about. Um, now, uh, a lot of people uh, say focus on doing exactly the opposite uh, when you're in recovery and you know, not do your job, but just focus entirely on on your efforts at recovery. So um, what Keith is saying here is because the music was so important to him, that is what helped him s- to stop. And it, yeah, and he goes on to say he didn't stop smoking cigarettes, didn't stop drinking, didn't stop smoking pot, but it definitely got off the harder stuff and and without abstinence. So what do you think, Daryl? Well, I, I think first we better clarify it's sort of a double... Uh, Entrande, I guess, uh, meaning a uh, couple of things there when they say uh, recovery without abstinence. uh, And and to clarify strongly, that the the major point I think uh, that's being said is that uh, it's it's doing recovery uh, without uh, separating yourself from your passions and the things you love doing in life. For instance, Lindsay Lohan or fashion work that's being allowed. uh, while she's enrolled in Betty Ford Center. I heard she was starting a recovery clinic, too. <laughs> Maybe so. That's, that's what was in the news. But uh, with Keith Richard, it, it's allowing him to uh, do his passion, which is music, or, and uh, while he's still really working hard, or when he was working originally on recovery, and while he's still working hard for recovery. And a lot of programs do uh, believe that uh, you have to take time out from your work. You have to take time out from life. You have to separate, you almost isolate yourself from all the demons that are pulling you into your addiction and really focus on that. I know we, we because have... Because they're uh, all tied together, right? Right. In addition to that, it allows you to not uh, really focus on the things you need to in terms to help you recover. I know lots of times in our residential programs at the ARC and when I was at the Hate and everything... Uh, we used to really pull up uh, clients when they were focusing on other people's problems. They're watching too much TV. They were, you know, reading books. They weren't 
really paying attention to what they needed to pay attention to in order to address themselves so that they have the best chance of recovery. And the <clears throat> article, I think, is pointing out what I think a lot of people don't realize is that with a lot of musicians, especially the famous musicians like Keith Richards and others, and even you know the local musicians who aren't quite famous, uh, people tend to believe it's the partying, it's the staying out, it's uh, being amongst a certain group, uh, uh, and really not that music that they're involved with. When indeed, uh, I found with all musicians all over the globe that they're really impassioned about creating their music and performing their music and doing their music, and that's a driving force. So many, what is it going to be, one out of a thousand or something will ever make any money doing their work. They're just doing it because they love creating music, and I think that's important for us to realize. And with Keith Richards, it's sort of a uh, paradox that uh, early in his career, he definitely felt that his use of mind-altering drugs helped him in his creative process, right, helped him right. to create his music. And now, um, as he uh, discovered the addictive properties, he his passion to to be in recovery and stay clean from cocaine and heroin, the hard stuff, is the fact that it was ruining his music, is ruining his incentive, is ruining his performances, is ruining the way he wanted to do things or want to accomplish. So it, that was a motivating factor. I mean, he lost a wife who died, and I think an overdose. He lost, and of course, a bunch of coworkers, child, a bunch of- all of you know, all these things that that could lead other people into bottoming out or recognizing, right. you know, they want to change their life. They had no effect on him. But the thing that was, he was impassioned about was his music, and he felt that greatly it was greatly threatened by his use of drugs. So that's how he entered recovery. It so reminds me. Of, Working with airline pilots, they're so impassioned about their ability to fly and and be responsible for a plane load of people that they don't care much about their children or their wives too much or anything else. That's not a reason for recovery. But when somebody says, we're going to yank your wings and you're not going to be a pilot anymore, all of a sudden they recognize that they they really need to be a pilot and they'll enter into recovery. So that's part of the issue that that was being addressed by... uh, the article was his the passion that exists in musicians and other people, and the fact is that that uh, if we would take them away from that, if we prevent them from what they're most passionate about, how can we expect them to, you know, be uh, inspired or, or remain in treatment or even do recovery? Because uh, you're you're separating them from anything that has meaning in life, and the music certainly has meaning. So now uh, the program he's been involved with, uh, Stanton Peel, who wrote it, who's been a big promoter of the non-disease of addiction, that it's more of a social and emotional issue. So he really got off on this. He says that, uh, as Keith Richards says, and other people are saying, now, no, you need to keep involved with with your uh, other passions in life while you're in recovery and you don't abstain, so it's recovery without abstention. The other meaning here, though, i got a quick point out to you, is that he is uh, doing what uh, is found to be almost impossible by most addicts and alcoholics, and that's continuing the use of other addictive drugs, nicotine especially, uh, pot, marijuana, and alcohol, and he hasn't embraced uh, addiction as a 
condition in which it doesn't matter what the drug is, it matters how it affects the brain and what parts of the brain that brings about this compulsivity. And uh, although that uh, what he's doing has been accomplished by some people, it, it's fairly rare. We usually see in addiction uh, treatment a sequelae. Somebody will come in for cocaine addiction and uh, decide that they can't go on their life using cocaine, but they don't address their alcohol use. So right. they graduate from program. Two years later, they're, they're coming back in being a raging alcoholic, and right. now that ruins them. So we treat the alcohol, and they don't give up their gambling. Right. And they come back later with pathological gambling. So it's really the, the processes in the brain that's the addictive process, not so much the specific drug or behavior that activates it. But uh, in all honesty, there have been people who have given up heroin addiction and been normies to alcohol. Uh, people gave up cocaine addiction, been normies to marijuana and alcohol or even uh, you know some other drugs. So... That is possible, but it's something we would never advise or the, the percentages of, of that occurring and happening is so small. And plus, we don't know how long Keith has been in doing this and whether or not it's too early to tell if it's going to be a major impact on him or not. So, Well, one of the things that, that, that caught my attention aside from, uh, aside from what we've been talking about here is, is that alcohol... Alcoholics Anonymous just doesn't work for some people, I guess, I want to, I guess philosophically. And so isn't, but in, in a kind of a classic um, you know, treatment mode, you introduce uh, going to meetings, going to Alcoholics Anonymous, and, and doesn't that in a sense, isn't that in a sense its own replacement Absolutely. I mean, and, uh, and of course, we all know any of any of us that have ever been there know there's a way a lot of cigarette smoking and a way a lot of coffee drinking that goes on at those <laughs> meetings. Yeah, I don't think we're ready to handle the addictions in the totality of what it is, and people have to look at their tobacco and their caffeine intake, and also, you know, we have women who snort men and men who snort women, or they get into relationships addiction, and that's another sort of attraction to participating in, in 12 steps is to meet a lot of people you have uh, potential uh, kindred with and ab ability to have a relationship uh, again and over and over again with somebody else. So uh, there definitely is um, uh, the element of replacing one compulsive need with another compulsive need that we, we, we're creatures who can exist uh, living in the stressful conditions of, of our society and, and dealing with the, the crap we have to deal with every day without altering our states of consciousness somehow. And, of course, that's throughout history. It's been It's been throughout. since the beginning of human beings. So it might be hardwired into the development right. of our brain. But, but the, what we're trying to promote or trying to understand is there, there are uh, more positive uh, replacements or more positive compulsions uh, than others. And, uh, you know, I, I would feel that uh, something like shopping or something like sex might be uh, less dangerous on a person than heroin. But then sexual addiction and shopping addiction is much more dangerous than somebody who's addicted to 12-step meetings or to some religion or some sort of spiritual involvement. So we have to see how these 
replacements in compulsivities are interacting with the person's life. And anything that interacts in a way that detracts from good health and detracts from quality of life, anything that impairs you from, from uh, you know, manifesting the best life you can have uh, has to be addressed until you find something, uh, maybe singing or dancing or rock climbing or something that, that you might be able to do compulsively and alter your states of consciousness without having a major negative impact on the quality of your life. Yeah, and we've, we've talked about those kind of things before, about how you, you can, uh, in many, many other ways, increase your dopamine levels and, and increase your serotonin and, and accomplish similar things as, as a... As a um, excessive drug use. Absolutely. The healthy brain is, is what we're trying to promote here and getting sort of um, replacing your need for these activities or, or drugs on, on just appreciating your own brain chemistry, which your own brain chemistry has to have and the right. balance that you can have back in that. And in some way, addicts and alcoholics are lucky because they experience those wonderful brain chemical effects that you already have the capacity to feel, but you oftentimes ignore or too arrogant to appreciate until you've been in recovery long enough to experience uh, a rebalance of your brain chemistry and experience the the positiveness of life and, and the ability for your own brain brain chemicals to produce those wonderful feelings for you again. And I suppose I suppose um, that's part of the attraction of, of religion. As, as well as sports, as well as um, dancing, arts. <clears throat> yeah, dan- all, all that is altering your states of consciousness. Drugs do it um, probably in, in the most negative way. They because they they imbalance your natural brain chemistry and they cause the brain to adapt and to change in reaction to unnatural chemicals. Uh, whereas finding um, sort of life processes, like you say, spirituality. And finding uh, dancing or finding just singing in the shower every morning or something that makes you feel as good as, as you can is a much more, I think, healthier way of, of achieving it. Um, drugs, because they are artificial and, and cause the brain to adapt, is, is going to cause your whole imbalance of your own brain chemistry. Whereas well, natural ways, if you redo it, and you don't do it, uh, you know, to that compulsive where it's causing you negative life effects, it, it becomes, it's the opposite of a drug. A drug, the more you take it, you build tolerance, you build tissue dependence, you build withdrawal phenomena. And so the more you take it, the more you got to take it, and the weaker the enjoyment becomes and the more negative it becomes. Whereas a natural process, the more you experience it, the more you're willing to open your uh doors of perception to allow yourself to feel great just going out there and looking like a fool on the dance floor. But of course, you don't care about that. You just dance, and the more you allow yourself to feel about it, the opposite happens. The, the more sensitive the brain becomes on it, the better the feeling gets, and you stay healthy because it's a natural brain balancing process. So that's why, in many ways, yeah, we do promote a replacement type of therapy in terms of addiction treatment, but we're looking for healthier replacements and negative ones. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess you hit it on the head there with the term balance. It's all about balance. Um, okay, well, that's about all the time for today. Uh, those of you listening, thanks for listening. And if you have comments or questions, we'd love to hear them. Stop by the uh, CNS website, 
cnsproductions.com. Drop us a note there. And Daryl, uh, thank you. And we should probably, we'll talk about the election results sometime here soon, too. Oh, that reminds me. We do have a new um, forum uh, column or forum section uh, called Ask Daryl, where you can specifically uh, write a question to Daryl and uh, about a, a particular aspect. And that's on the website also under the forum section. Okay, thanks. Thank you. That wraps our pod for today. Thanks for visiting the CNS Podcast. Please check back soon for the next in the series and visit our website, www.cnsproductions.com.